0: Well, good evening, everyone. Um, It has been a while since I've been up here. I've only been up here once, I believe, so bear with me. Um, uh, Tonight, I picked the topic of temptation to speak on. Um, So I wanted to talk about just what the Bible has to say about temptation, what I found there, and then just a few good examples of what we can do when we are under temptation. Um, But first, I'm gonna open up in a word of prayer. Uh, Dear God, I just thank you so much for everything you've done for us today, Lord. I pray that we just bless this time that we have together, Lord. I pray that everything that I say is from you, and Lord, that anything that is not of you, uh, let it be forgotten and passed away, Lord. I pray that you just bless this time that we have together and uh, keep it focused on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So I wanted to, I I looked up first in Vine's dictionary um, the definition of temptation. And so it said, Temptation is um, trials with a beneficial purpose, divinely permitted, or sent. Trials with a beneficial purpose, divinely permitted, or sent. Um, so the first passage uh, we want to look at when we look at what the Bible has to say about temptation um, is 1 Corinthians 10.13. Um, we're going to be flipping around a little bit, so bear with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. Um, it reads, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Um, every temptation we go through, um, we're not the only ones going through it. And there are many others that most likely are going with it currently, like uh, each other, or have gone through it before. Um, uh, so we can use each other um, to learn and we can use each other to encourage each other um, because we we've all gone through these or most of us have gone through these things and we all know what it is to be tempted by these things Um, and the the Lord hopefully will have strengthened us and gotten them through um, each other gotten each other through these things and so um, they will have wisdom-free, or one, sorry, getting it out right now, hopefully, so it's not going to be there the rest of the meeting. Um, So hopefully, each of us will have wisdom on these topics that we've been tempted through that we can use to encourage one another to get past these things. Um, Also, the verse says, God never tempts us more than we can resist. Um, We will never be in any situation where the temptation will be too strong for us to resist. Um, No matter what, he will always give us a way out. Um, I've been thinking and noticing that the hard part, I think, is to find the way out and get u- getting used to finding the way out of these situations. Uh, God always provides us one of these ways that we can use, but um, finding it in that time, in that uh, when the pressure's kind of on, when we're being tempted in the moment, is the difficult part, to, to realize where that back door is and use it and get out of that situation. But God al- also promises I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we know that he is there to help us through it. Um, another verse, turn with me to Hebrews 2. Um, Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Verse 17 reads, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. So we see here, um, Jesus has been through everything that we've been through also. Um, He's been tempted in many things. And so he, um, it said in 17, uh, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Um, so it, it was his goal to, to become, it, uh, he became a man and he, he went through everything that we go through so that he could relate to us and that he could be a part of us even more. Um, uh, also, he, uh, as we see in verse 18, he said, he himself hath suffered being tempted. Um, I'll turn in a second, we'll see how he was in, when he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, 40 days and 40 nights he went through the the fasting and he went through temptation just as much as we did, I'm sure, um, and he um, he went through it, but he, it, because of that, he's able to encourage us through it as well. He knows what it was like, um, not just from an like an all-knowing kind of stance, but he went through it physically in his human body so that gives him the ability to strengthen us even further Um, and also seeing that we can see since christ was tempted we see and knowing that christ is perfect we can see that he or that temptation is not a sin because we know if christ did it and christ could not sin that temptation is not a sin so if you feel like you are being tempted in all th- in a lot of things in your life, or like you're constantly being tempted for something, it's not that you're a bad person and you're not sinning by doing this. It's just that um, everyone goes through it, and it's the trials that the Lord has for us in mind. So, um, also we'll look at Hebrews fourteen 15, or four or fifteen. Um, it says. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So it says again, he went through every temptation. It says all, th- all points tempted like as we are. So it's not that he just went through being tempted to break his fasting or to be tempted to call down the angels or anything. It is all things that he was tempted so he knows every, every single thing that we're tempted with, every trial that we're going through. He's been through the same exact thing, and he's taken—he's um, done it, but he did it without sinning. Um, I know in our lives we are tempted often and we give in, but he not once did he give in. He lived that perfect, sinless life. Um, uh, so just another point in Matthew 6:13. Um, So this is in the Lord's Prayer that he is teaching the disciples how to pray. Um, It says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, So he's, in this passage, he's, um, the disciples ask us, ask Jesus, um, teach us to pray in a way. Um, So he gives them this prayer as an example um, just kind of key points to, to look at when you're praying. And um, I think the fact that he included this part of praying um, to lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil is obviously a pretty key point. Otherwise, he wouldn't have included it to show the disciples this. Um, and he says, well, also we see in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, you don't have to turn there. It's just that he tells us to pray without ceasing. Um, and I, th- I think if he's shown us to pray constantly, well, if he wants us to pray without ceasing, and he shows us that we need to be praying to lead us out of temptation, obviously that's one of the things we need to be praying about ceaselessly. Um, uh, so we, we don't wanna be waiting for these temptations to arise to start praying for like a, de- a, de- uh, a deliverance out of them. We wanna be praying constantly so that in a way we are already ready to escape from these temptations when they come up. We can be praying that, like, Lord, in the future, when temptations rise, help me to see uh, your escape out of them and help me to leave them with a, like my faith in, in greater stance than it was before. And then we will already be stronger looking into those situations than having to wait until they occur to pull our sword out and fight it off. And then uh, this point is kind of reiterated in Matthew 26 26:41. Uh, 26, uh, this is when they were in the garden, and Christ returns and all the disciples are sleeping. Um, he says, "What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak." So he finds them sleeping, and he comes back, and this is what he tells them. Um, so here we are to pray so that um, we do... Sorry. we So we see here that we are to pray so that we don't fall into these temptations in the first place. Um, it, I believe this means that if, if we can ceaselessly pray about not falling into temptation, um, not only will we have an easier time getting out of these temptations, but we will less often be in these situations where we will be tempted by these things. Um, and then here it also says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I know very often our spirit, we, we never want to be tempted, obviously. We, we don't want to be in that situation in the first place. But there are those times where our flesh is not as willing as our spirit is, and we give into the te- into that temptation. And then that is when the sin occurs. It's not being tempted that is the sin, but it's when we give into it is when it becomes sin. So if we can be praying constantly about not getting into this temptation, it will lead to not being tempted, which leads to not having even the opportunity to fall into that temptation and commit that sin against the Lord. Um, Another one in 1 Peter 1, 6. If you wanna turn there, um, I'm gonna read a verse. Uh, James 1, 2 says, "'My brethren, count it all joy "'when you fall into diverse temptations.'" And then 1 Peter 1, 6 says, "Um, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, Um, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So when I read this, I immediately thought, how could you possibly be happy when you're being tempted? Um, how can you find joy in the fact that you are being tempted by these sinful things? Um, but it's not saying that you should be tempted that you're, or you should be joyful that you are being tempted, but that you should be joyful with the reward that can come out of the perseverance through the temptation. Um, it says the trial of your faith is much more precious than the gold of, uh, that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. Um, So when we persevere through this temptation, our faith is shown and strengthened through this. um, And that to the Lord is more precious than gold. Um, Our faith being shown to him and our obedience to him is far greater than any gold or any jewel on this earth or any wealth that could be manifold. Um, And I think that is what Peter and um, and James were talking about that we should be rejoicing in. We should be rejoicing in the opportunity that we have to persevere through these temptations and, um, and reach for that, that prize that we have. Um, and it says that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Um, kind of reminds me, uh, in Yosemite, every morning we had these Bible studies with Rex Chogden, and one of the few that I went to, it. he was saying that, Now, we were talking about crowns, and he was saying it's not wrong to yearn for these rewards, to yearn for these blessings, and try and do things to earn these blessings and crowns. Um, So I think that can apply here as well, that we can, if we know we're being tempted, we can use that as motivation and say, not only am I pleasing the Lord, but I'm also going to get rewards in heaven and glory and honor when he comes back. Um, So that's just some of the verses that I found in about temptation in the Bible. I'm sure there are tons more, but those are the ones that I found in my study. Um, and so now that we have some background, I wanted to talk about just two characters um, that can kind of give us a good, um, a good example to follow and ways to behave when we are tempted. Um, so I wanna turn to uh, Genesis 39 Verses seven through 12 um, is the story of Joseph. Um, so I'm just gonna read uh, verse seven. Well, for, uh, first, he was. this was after um, Potiphar had bought Joseph and made him his, the overseer of everything he had and the, his whole house and everything. And Joseph was living at this time in Potiphar's house. Um, So verse 7 reads, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth nothing that is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Joseph, over time, trying to be seduced by Potiphar's wife, um, and he faithfully resisted the temptation, and it said day by day, all the time. Uh, He faithfully obeyed the Lord, and he resisted the temptation, and he honored his master. Um, And then when temptation continued to grow, um, and then she was there alone with him, and she grabbed his garment and tried to pull him to her, Um, He didn't hesitate at all to leave as fast as he could. He left his clothing, hopped right out of them, and ran out the door. um, And he fled from the whole situation. Um, This is one way that we can respond to temptation. Um, Just completely flee altogether from whatever it is that's tempting you. Um, When it gets too great and when it's too difficult to resist, just completely run away, the complete opposite direction. Don't even put yourself in that situation if you can help it. Um, And um, also I was just thinking, don't even try and wait long enough to try and salvage anything from the situation. Don't even try and take your clothes with you. Just (laughs) completely leave all of it behind and go as fast as you can out the door. Um, And then one last uh, role model for this and how to behave with, uh, respond to temptation is uh, Jesus Christ, um, who should be our role model in all things. Um, but we'll look right now at Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Um, as I mentioned briefly before, this is um, Jesus Christ. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist. And then it's, uh, it says here in verse 1. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And I just kind of thought that was a little bit weird, um, that his whole purpose of going into the wilderness in the first place was to be tempted by Satan. Um, Just kind of strange. Obviously, I don't think we want to do that type of thing. We don't want to purposely go into some situation like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get tempted, and I'm going to persevere and get that reward. I don't think that's what I meant when I said that. But... um, but that's what Jesus did, and he did it, I believe, just to, um, like that verse earlier said, he, it behooved himself to relate more to us. So I think he did that purposely just to, to go through it for our sake um, and to give us this example. Um, so um, he is starving after fasting for 40 days, um, and verse 3 says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Um, So here, we see three times Satan tried to tempt him with various things, and three times, how did Christ respond? With the word of God. Um, uh, Just as he did in this situation, we should do the same in our times of temptation. Um, I think preferably, if we Could um, we could have the whole Bible memorized in some way so that in these times of temptation, we could pull up any verse relating to whatever we're being tempted by um, to, like, right then and there, turn our minds away from it and turn back to the Lord and what his word says. Um, But obviously, for the most part, I don't think we are that memorized of the Bible. Um, So um, even just, just... Again, flee from it and turn straight to the word. And um, even if you don't know of any passage right away relating perfectly to whatever your temptation is, um, I've noticed that just reading any any topic, any passage in the Bible, gets your mind away from those things and puts your mind straight to Jesus. Um, uh, sorry. And then also it says, In verse 11, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And I kind of like that part because when we're tempted and when we finally do get away from these things, we have one another. We have each other um, to minister unto each other, and we can help each other through these things and encourage each other through these times of temptations and trials that we're going through. We don't have to go through it alone. Obviously, we have the Lord too. Um, but it's all, it's always nice to have that person to talk to that you can run to and say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, can you just pray for me? Can you work that or work with me through this? And I think that is key to getting away from these temptations as well. Just having someone there to relate to you, um, and to work through this and just to pray with you. Um, and then just this one little piece that I found on an article, um, I'll leave you with this. It says, um, it was like someone asking. It says, my thoughts are flooded with temptations. What can I do? And the response was, when temptations come to mind, think to heavenly things. In Philippians 4.8, it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And with that, I will... Ask my dad to come up.
1: You took longer than I thought. Some of these young ones, you know, you give them, you give them 20 minutes and they're done in five. <laughs> so I had 40 minutes prepared, 45, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Preach, Preach it, brother. My wife says, you know, why don't you just uh, give a verse and close in prayer? (laughs) That's fine. No, but what what Scott had brought up is something that actually Lauren and I had been talking about. I had no idea what he's going to speak on until about an hour ago. I said, what are you speaking on, by the way? (laughs) That sounds good. You know, the Lord is wise. The Lord is wise in all his ways. When you think of the directions of the Lord, when you think of what He prizes in His children, when you think of what He prizes in the church, what He puts an emphasis on, it's not simple and it's not a human construct. It is the wisdom of God, isn't it? When the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, gave simple instruction to his disciples that they remember him. How wise he was. Because how easy it is for us to walk far from the Lord if if at least that once a week we're not drawn back to him. It's amazing how far away we can get in a one-week period, isn't it? And then we're drawn back to him on a Sunday. When he's in our midst and we gather to remember him. When he gives, Scott read that that quote from the Lord's Prayer. When we think about the Lord's Prayer, something that most of Christendom to them is uh, one of the many, many, many Our Fathers they're going to recite, along with the Hail Marys, it becomes something that we relegate to second place but when you look at that verse at that template at that ideal that the Lord Jesus in his wisdom gave to us it is not something to be avoided and say oh that's for the Catholic Church we're beyond that we're above that we have more wisdom the Lord Jesus gave that that passage to us and Lauren and I were talking about that just a week ago And that verse that Scott brought up is actually the verse we were talking about. The Lord in that one verse says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And Lauren, mediocre mentality that she has, no, (laughs) brilliant that she is, she says, you know, that's really a deep verse because evil is something that we don't think about. We think of evil as something that unbelievers do, but evil is in fact inherent in the world. It's inherent, the prince of the power of the air is evil incarnate, he rejoices in evil. You remember that the judgment was brought upon Noah's day, and in Noah's day, because, why? It says that even the imaginations of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil continually. And evil begets evil. And evil can come in so subtly. And evil will get into a mind. And it will destroy a family, and it will destroy a marriage, and it will destroy a church. If evil is allowed, even in its most subtle guise, to come in. So the Lord Jesus, in his wisdom, gives us a template in the Lord's Prayer. And it begins, our Father, which art in heaven. We give him his place and his relationship to us. Our Father, our heavenly Father, which art in heaven. And we're to acknowledge that his name is hallowed. His name is holy. His name is unique. And we're reminded of the commandment, thou shalt have no other God before me. And that we are not to take the Lord's name in vain. His name is hallowed. His name is pure. Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. The the plan of the Father, the eternal plan of the Father is something that we should strive to side ourselves with, to align ourselves with. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And if we seek that God's will is to be done, then when temptations come, and they do come, and they have come, and they will continue to come, when we seek his will, it will be so obvious to us the difference between temptation and a normal urge that we should satisfy. When we look to satisfy his will above our own, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Proverbs, or Psalms 1, talking about the righteous man. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful. He does not walk with the sinner. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord reigns supreme in heaven, as, and he should on earth as well. And we, his body, you can imagine the day when the Lord takes his people from this earth. And that portion of his kingdom that is alive here on earth, bearing his spirit within them, when that's removed, can you imagine what this world will be like? And he who lets will let no more. And the spirit of God with the the church is removed. Oh, then the evil of this world is going to reign. on earth as it is in heaven, thy will here on earth. Brothers and sisters, do you read the newspaper, do you listen to the news, and you hear how believing Christians are mocked in every facet of society? We don't dare raise an opinion that is contrary to the opinion of the ruling elite. People lose their jobs, people lose their positions. In the world of sports, if you dare speak out against conduct that is popular today, you are looked upon as if you are a raving idiot, that you were left in the last century and that you have no no tolerance and no judgment at all. This is the day we're living in. You have to be careful what you say. So does the Lord want us to just bite our tongues? No, but he says there will be, you will have trials. You will have temptations in this this life. Not one of us, I tell you right now, brothers and sisters, and I hope none of you ever consider it, are candidates to run for public office. The press and our opponents would do everything in their power to to tear us to shreds. There have been Christian candidates in the past and people do their best to make them look like fools. You believe that God created the earth in six days? Come on, science knows it took five billion years. We're laughed to scorn. So with the temptations of the world and with the hatred of this world, which I don't know, some of you people are older than me. Did you experience this 60 years ago? Did you feel this oppression and hatred by your, by, by your countrymen 60, 70 years ago that we feel today? I'll tell you, it's, it's a miracle of the grace of God that people are being saved in 2014. Because the only thing going for us is the spirit of the living God. The world throws everything against us. They ridicule and they deride us. I was going to speak on a a man, which is fine. Now I've got a message ready to go next time, so I'm not going to bother. But I'll tell you, there was there's a man, and we'd heard about him at Yosemite, you know, it was Peter, uh, Apostle Peter and I is what we learned. And there was good teaching on it, but it it just it brought more thoughts to my mind uh, because you know there are paths that you can explore. And it, how Peter, you know, you can look at his character, and that's one of my seven points here. You look at the character of Peter, and he wasn't much to write home about, was he? Where he came from, what he did for a living, what his education was what his personality was, what his weaknesses were, he wasn't really, there wasn't a lot to speak of for him. In fact, when he finally went into ministry after Pentecost, what did the Pharisees and the scribes say about him? They said, are we hearing right? Isn't this that ignorant and unlearned Galilean? But it's amazing how this guy, and as you look at his character and all his flaws and all the times he's mentioned, There's only really one time that there's something good written about him in the Gospels, and that was his famous confession of faith, wasn't it? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. (laughs) Peter, you're so smart. No, no, the Lord Jesus didn't say, Peter, you're so smart. He says, Peter, as usual... It wasn't this that revealed it to you. It wasn't this that revealed it to you. It was flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you. But what does it say? But my my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. So even at his best, it wasn't of himself. It was a revelation of the Lord Jesus. We think of him, his comments that he makes and his Braggadocia and his boast we think of him on the mount of transfiguration blew it again and we go through his life and we'll we'll go into this next time i speak but it's something that you see and it, and it relates to all of us today brothers and sisters it's a difficult world we live in it's not paved with roses is it but it's rather it's paved with thorns We've got three main entities that that rage against us, don't we? The world, the flesh, and the devil. But thank God we have what Peter realized in his confession. Thy Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. I was studying the The sermons of Peter after Pentecost. This blustering, dare I say, fool. This man that would put his foot in his mouth, and and the Lord Jesus would have to say, "Get thee behind me, Satan." He would open his mouth, and the Lord would have to rebuke him. This unlearned, this unwise, this rough fisherman. When you read his sermons in the Acts, it's, he's a changed man. Filled with the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. Brothers and sisters, we didn't have to wait 50 days, did we? When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we're filled with his spirit instantly. But you see what happened to these men They spoke in tongues where the the people of all the nations could understand in their own tongues. And they spoke with power and authority. You think of him when he was on the steps of the temple. They were entering in to, to teach and to preach at the temple and this beggar stops him and asks for alms. And Peter said... Silver and gold, it says he looked him in the eye. He knew what that beggar wanted. He wanted a coin. He wanted a crust of bread. He wanted alms. And he said to him, he says, Sorry, silver and gold have I none. But that which I have, give I you. I have the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We think of those words. That man jumped up, leaping and praising God. Was that man saved? No, but he felt the power of God instantly, and I dare say, he did get saved. The power of God used by this rough, gruff, bumbling man. The last time we hear from him, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What was he doing to the name of Jesus Christ the last time we heard from him? He was denying that name. And the Lord was able to use him. So, brothers and sisters, we have an all-wise God, don't we? We have an all-loving Savior. Also, when you read in the sermons in Acts, they're sermons of the power of God. They are powerful sermons. I'm reading through them and I'm trying to find a a verse that I can kind of correlate to John 3, 16 that speaks of the great love of the Lord, but it's not there. It is of the way that was pointed from the law and the prophets, it pointed to this, your Messiah, who you with rough hands have, have crucified. And people believed because he spoke with the power But in his epistles, and we would go into that as well, in his epistles then, his heart breaks as he speaks of the love of his savior. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a prayer that we should include in our prayers every day. Temptation is strong, but evil is real. Evil can affect the mind, it can affect the attitude, and it can affect your relationships. So it was a timely message that Scott brought to us. And how do we avoid temptation? That is to be in the word, to be in prayer, to be in the very, very throne room of heaven daily. Because it's so easy to stray off that path. So easy. Give us this day our daily bread. Yes, the Lord knows that we need to ask for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And how does it go next? Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. What a reminder there. It's so easy to ask that that our faults, that our failings be forgiven, but we're so reluctant to forgive the faults and failings of those that trespass against us. If we were to remember that in prayer every day, there'd be a closer bond between brothers and sisters. Because it's like the man with the with the talents, the many, many talents, and his debt was or, or the, the debt and his debt was forgiven, and yet he went and locked up a fellow that only owed a tiny bit. Brothers and sisters, that's that's us. We've had so much forgiven us, and yet we're so reluctant to forgive one another. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And there we realize who we are, what we've been saved from, and how great our God is. So it's a It's a timely message that was brought up, and and it's, it's done good in my heart, and I hope it's done good as yours as well. Because God is a wise God, and he's given us a loving Savior, hasn't he? What more can he give than to us he has given? We sing that hymn. He's given all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, he is our all in all. Father, we have turned to him for salvation. And yet, Father, we cling to him because we know how much he loves us. We cling to him because we know how much he cares. Father, we look to him with eyes dimmed, but knowing that someday we'll see him in clarity, in truth, in nearness. And we'll spend eternity with him. Oh, Father, what a Savior you've given to us. We thank you for your holy word, which is is the Lord Jesus given to us to handle in our own hands. It's the word of God. Father, we know that he is the word. Oh, Father, bless your people tonight. Bless us as we depart. Father, teach us thy way. Show us thy wisdom. Father, deliver us from temptation and from evil. We ask in thy son's precious name. Amen.